So today on American Conversations, we have back with us again, Dwayne Armstrong, who spent 34 years working for the pharmaceutical industry, uh, two subsidiaries of J&J. &J, and now, uh, and Dwayne has, is offering his insight as somebody with experience of taking a look at how the pharmaceutical industry uh, operated when he was there and how it's operating under COVID today. So Dwayne, first of all, welcome and, and glad to have you back with us. And you can come okay. back anytime. Um, recently, there was a FOIA request. And as a result of that, there was, a, a, there was information released by Pfizer and it was court ordered. Um, and the, the, they're not releasing all of the information on adverse effects for Pfizer's all at once. They're kind of going to do this slow release. Um, but the first release was was pretty alarming to me because at the addendum of that piece of paper, they had about seven or eight pages of the adverse effects and it went on and on and on. What's your, what do you think of that piece of paper? Oh, it's extremely uh, enlightening. Obviously, it's uh, it 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 it, um, it documents what I think we've kind of suspected. Mm -hmm. I think it's um, it's quite um, convicting, very convicting. Yeah, do you find it as alarming as I do? I mean, it, it, to put it in some context for the audience, so this is this is the Pfizer material only up to February twenty eighth, twenty twenty one. So very early on after the early rollouts they knew that there were an awful lot of adverse effects that they haven't really released because we still have people telling everyone oh these are all safe and effective that's right if you had seen that piece of paper inside the companies that you work for because you were involved with you were a marketing executive would that have set off any red flags inside in those days if we'd seen information like that it wouldn't have it would never have gotten to that point i mean that that would have been history that, that would have, that that product would be would have been gone so they would have taken it off the shelf with that piece of information and that's that's only the beginning of what we're going to see can i make a comparison historically sure. absolutely sure. but <laughs> what it was like then and what it's like now and it you, it, there's some amazing uh, things you can uh, devolve from that. I mentioned last time that I was here about a product we had called Zomax, a pain reliever that was relieved, uh, re removed because of some adverse uh, effects. I did a little bit of research into the archives on Zomax. It was available for three years. In those three years, now this was an extremely effective product, very effective. In three years, here's how many adverse effects or events were registered for Zomax. Three years, 1,100. Wow. 1,100. You know how many deaths there were? Five. The product was taken off the market for five deaths. And who manufactured that product, Zomax? J&J. J&J did. So repeat those figures again for people. In three years, we had 1,100 adverse uh, events. Five people died from anaphylaxis. And they pulled it off the market. What, what decade was that? 
1983. So what do you think happened here? I mean, what happened to the standards, the ethics of the pharmaceutical industry? Um, Abbott Laboratories, let me give you another example. Abbott Laboratories, I also worked with for four years, outstanding, right. at an antibiotic. The antibiotic was on the market for four months. This is 1992. It was on the market for four months. In those four months, they had uh, 50 adverse events uh, registered, no deaths, just 50 uh, AEs. And based on just that, the product was removed in the month of June. 50. 50 adverse events, and they took the product off the market. So how many how many more um, how many more examples do you have? Let me give one more. This is a, a big one as well. Okay. Burroughs Welcome, which uh, is a, another. It was very high reputation. They had an antidepressant called Wellbutrin, and uh, it was removed. It was pulled early in the phase four clinicals because um, an unusual seizure rate. Uh, cropped up in the clinicals and based on what they saw just in that early investigation of that event, those events showing up, they pulled the product off the market. So that gives you three examples right there of what it was like in the 80s and 90s when it came to the safety and welfare of the people taking the products. So that goes back to my earlier question. What happened here? I mean, the, the, obviously the standards of safety changed. I mean, this is reckless. It's dangerous because there's so many adverse effects, right? Cumulative across the board for the for these for these COVID shots. That is correct. So, how do we get this back on track? Do people just need to understand the history and the standards? I mean, this is serious stuff. This is this is this is the most egregious uh, abuse of power. I think I've ever seen. And it's on a global scale. It's on a global scale. It's mind boggling. It really is mind boggling. The, the number, the number of adverse events, the number of deaths, which I think we all know is both of those numbers are, are uh, underreported. They have to, mm -hmm. I, the, the standards obviously have been reduced substantially. Otherwise, this would not be allowed to happen. Other people are writing about the fact that a product with this kind of profile should never be on the market. It should it should be withdrawn. But so, who's who? Who's who needs to be in this fight to lead this to pressure this administration to put to put on the brakes? Well, you know, Christine, we, we use the phrase "truth," speaking truth to power. Mm -hmm. If we look at the power brokers who are in charge right now, they know the truth, but they're proceeding anyway. We can't speak the truth to them. The, the real power lies with the people and the people are the ones who have to start pushing back and demanding answers. Because uh, we just, we raise our voice to and we know that they're not, we know that they're ignoring us. They, we're, we're being overruled. We're, we're being 
blanketed, if you will. So I don't know who you, you go to, if you call it, if you look at power brokers, I don't know who you go to, quite frankly. Is it the business? Is it the business leaders? I guess you have to ask the question, you know, who would the administration listen to collectively? You know, because they've dismissed the people who, you know, if, if you if you raise your voice, they call you anti-vax, which is just crazy. Right. That's right. You're anti-science, which is even crazier. That's right. <laughs> because if they're ignoring science, they're the ones who are anti-science. All right. Um, but if you if you ignore the evidence, if you censor the evidence, um, if you censor the truth and dismiss people who are challenging you, that 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 is that's fascism. I mean, this is this is a very serious point in history here because there's no way that they didn't know on the inside. These are Pfizer's oh, documents. Oh, sure. This is so when the CEO of Pfizer gets out there and he keeps on saying that, oh, yeah, we're going to have to have boosters and, and the Gates gets out there and Fauci gets out there in the last two and a half weeks or so and says, you know, we have to take a new look at the vaccines because it doesn't prevent the transmissibility of the COVID disease and it doesn't prevent you from getting it. So, you know, it, 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 the logical common sense landing at that point is why the hell isn't is, is this even on the shelf because that was the point of having these shots and if we know that people are dying if we know that people are getting chronically ill if we know that the doctors don't know how to help these people then this is a real very high moral point and it's very serious because people's lives and their families are going to be destroyed and forever changed if they had that Russian roulette of the bad egg of the dozen. Christine, let me tell you what happened yesterday. I went to get a haircut and a lady that does my hair, I've known for quite a while. She has a real following. She's very uh, outgoing. She has a great relationship with her customers. She knows everything about everybody's lives and that kind of, she's great. I was chatting with her about what we've been doing with the, with the interviews. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, I've, I've lost seven, I've lost seven customers to the vaccine. I said, what? Wow. She said, yeah, I've, I've had seven people die after getting since January. I've had, I've lost seven people who've taken the vaccine and died. Their spouses called me and to tell me they wouldn't be coming anymore because they died after getting the vaccine. She has two patients that has Bell's, that have Bell's palsy now after the vaccine because she, she demonstrated by just contorting her mouth, her face to show me how they look now uh, when they came to get her haircut, their haircut. And so there, there are seven deaths that she knows of, two with Bell's palsy. I have to think probably if any of those were reported, I would be surprised, quite frankly. Well, the, we we have heard um, that it, you know doctors are supposed to report them that they're ha- that they will say to some of their patients that no, it's their job, the patient's job to mm-hmm. report affairs. Uh, we know from from people, mutual friends, you and I both know, who have tried to report when when and and, and it's and it's difficult. I mean, it's not easy. You've got to save a page and then you, to go back in, you can't finish in the time you're allotted. Then you have. I mean, it's it's not an easy reporting system. 
We know from uh, years ago a study that it's maybe 10% um, that was a Harvard study done, 10% that are actually reported. We know there's a hesitancy for doctors to report because some have even received phone calls from the CDC and said, why did you report that? We know that in some hospitals, the, C the hospital administration's office, the CEO and the CMO, the chief medical officer, sometimes has to approve a doctor reporting to theirs before it's actually done. So we know that doctors are afraid to report because they might be sanctioned. You know, the, maybe, maybe they won't lose their jobs for that, but they might be sanctions. Um, if you can't do this, and we hear stories about this, I mean, that, that's why we started talking to Vax, Vax Injured. Um, I had somebody in Fauci circle tell me that, that the, when I asked him about the rollouts, how did he think it was going? This is around June. He's in a, and he, he, he was talking about messaging. And I said, well, what about the injured? And he called them urban legends. Yeah. And that's when I said, you know what? We need to get these people on camera because I had spoken to them and they're not, they're not urban legends. They're real people. And these are real families. And my fear is that I don't know at what point that the, the public, the global public, because and this is not just an American issue anymore. The US pharmaceuticals have contracts in foreign countries. So this affects everybody. And I'm not going, I'm not diving deep into um, AstraZeneca, <coughs> pardon me, right now, or any of the other foreign pharmaceuticals. But I, what we, we have enough of a problem here with the US pharmaceuticals. But I, 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 I fear that people just can't wrap their brains around how evil this is. Let me, let me read to you something I, I read that really summarizes exactly what you just said. And that is, let me find it here, uh, talking about the, uh, what lies ahead. And uh, what, what she was saying was this, that people have basically made their minds up. They've listened to the authorities. They've been told all this all these lies, but when those of us like you and my, me and other people speak up, we're drowned out by the authority, if you will, or authority figures uh, that are speaking to them. She says this, uh, they could have their brother, sister, mother, or father get the shot and die with the needle on their arm, and they still go out to get a booster the, the very next day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Quite true. I think that's quite true. You yeah, it, it it is. It is. Uh, it's it, to me. It's frightening because they're they're not they're they're not, they're missing the truth. See, Chris, the the lies started from day one, and they knew they were lying. These mitigations, if you remember the mitigations, mm -hmm. they're all based on lies. The whole masking thing, which mm. is a farce. They know it's a farce. Let me give you uh, why I say that. In my lifetime, you know how many days that in hospitals people wore masks? Never. Never. Only in 2020 did you find people in hospitals wearing masks. 
we, the, they wear them in operating rooms. The only place you see that is surgical because yeah. the concern is bacteria. Mm -hmm. Not nowhere else in the hospital will you see a, a mask worn by patients, doctors, nurses, whatever. Offices, clinics, same thing because they know. They know we've had pandemics, we've had bad flu seasons, we've had co bad cold seasons. Mm -hmm. People are, and this whole thing about six foot distancing, that's a lie. That that number is, was pulled out of the air because a, a virus is an airborne, is airborne, it travels way beyond six feet. Right. So the whole thing is it started started as a lie then for a purpose. That was to to bring fear and dread into the uh, to the people to make them make them do as they wanted them done. I, rem I remember at the White House in 2020, um, Dr. Briggs was talking about at one point that they didn't think that Americans would comply when all of a sudden they started acting like sheep, mm -hmm. working at home, shutting down, wearing masks, et cetera. And, and I thought to myself, I wonder if this is a test. You know, it actually crossed my mind the day that she said that from the White House when she said, you know, as if we were pleased to see that, that, that the Americans were complying um, with the rules. And, and, I, and it just, it's, I just, I remember thinking this is surreal because it's not about complying. To me, if you, if you have this disaster, your focus should be on how, what is the origin of this? And if it's not the lab, then it, then it could be wet markets. Why aren't world leaders all coming together and saying, close down the wet markets? And if it's not the wet markets, why is, uh, you know, Morrison in Australia the only one that says, you know, damn it, we need to have an investigation to figure out how this thing started, especially in light of you have all these Frankenstein scientists who are hunting coronaviruses and foreign governments are putting money into it. And pharma's probably putting money into it. And they're trying to find all these undetected, undiscovered coronaviruses to figure out if they could be transmissible into human beings. I mean, to me, why is that even happening on the planet? And why isn't that looked at to see if that is contributing to what we have today, if what we have today is even real anymore? I'm not so certain. I mean, I think that, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not nuts. Obviously, there's a disease. People are dying. But it seems to me that the early treatments were, were not fully developed. Has that ever happened, Wayne, when there has been something? Um, I mean, Vax was the only answer by June, July, August of 2020. That's what got my lights on. Why aren't they funding the early treatments as heavily uh, largely, that they were doing the the vaccines. I mean, to me, you'd want to stop. You'd want to get the early treatments in there instead of telling people, when your lips turn blue, get yourself to the ER. I don't know the total answer to that. I I don't know why the emphasis was not on early treatment, as opposed to shoving them into hospitals, nursing homes, and put them on a ventilator and see what happens. Yeah. There, there was no emphasis on treatment. And we've had whistleblowing nurses say that. Right. Right. 
I, I had an, I had a number of nurses tell me that, that, that what they what was going on um, didn't make any sense with the, the ventilators. Yeah, I, one nurse uh, asked a doctor, "Why don't why aren't we treating a patient with X?" What all the doctor replied, "Oh, that won't do any good." Mm -hmm. she, oh, I've I've read about it. no, it, it it doesn't work. So there was a a total put down of any rational opinion of how this thing sh should be handled and. We saw the result in nursing homes for sure. Well, Dwayne, I mean, are you going to keep on doing your research and looking in your archives? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So would you come back and, and talk to us when you get some more information? Is there anything else you'd like to tell the audience today? Uh, yeah. I, there are five reasons why someone should not take the vaccine. Number one, it's not a vaccine. Number two, it doesn't do what it's supposed to do, prevent illness. Number three, it does not stop the, uh, the transmission. Mm -hmm. And the result in a very serious adverse event, including death. And number five, it's 99% survivable without, without anything other than, than the proper treatments. That's five reasons right there not to do it. I can't right. think of to do it based on those five reasons. Well, I think, you know, I really appreciate you, you know, reaching out to us and, and, and giving us this this information. And and I'd, I'd encourage you because you've got the background and you know how to read these documents and you know what it, what the pharma industry was like when you spent 34 years in there, you know, in, in from the inside. Let, let me ask you something. As a, as a retired marketing executive with J&J &J subsidiaries, that, 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 you know, that's not a small pharmaceutical company. <clears throat> what happens on the inside when their internal documents have such alarming information as we have with the Pfizer? What normally would happen on the inside? Do the executives get together and say we need to we need to pull this? Well, that, that's what that's what would have happened with the Zomax situation. Uh, those reports that came from the field would be fed back through the clinical people, the medical people in the company. That would be fed, fed through the, the marketing people, uh, up through the executives of the company, of our company, the, our subsidiary. That mm -hmm. would go to J&J Corporate, uh, to their um, medical department, legal department, etc., for a full investigation, a full analysis, with a decision to be made at that point. And that of course would include the board of, uh, of the organization. So yeah, it'd go, it'd go all the way to the, to the very top. It, so it does go to the very top, to the board. And, Something and, that would definitely. And the lawyers and yes. the PR damage control people and how they're gonna pull it off, the strategy of how they pull it off the market. Exactly. So I think it'd be fairly easy for us to conclude that because this document was released through the courts, ordered by a judge to be released, and it's it's only, it, it's it's not even you know it, it it's the tip of the iceberg. But because the lawyers would have to be involved, they would have to have had internal conversations at this point. Oh, it means it's up to it's up to us in the media to really challenge these guys and ask them point blank, 
why is this on the market? That's exactly right. This, this drug should not be on the market. With this, this profile, it should not be on the market. Well, Dwayne, we're going to we're going to post this document with this interview. And I just want to say thank you very much for coming forward. You know, you're welcome anytime to come back with. And if something you see that we miss, call me. Well, thank you. Thank you for the platform. Thank you for what you're doing to expose the truth that we need it desperately. Thank, thank you. you Dwayne. Thank you.